Phil, we're back to live, such as as much as live as we can be, um, uh, and we're out on the third Sunday of Lent, and we've got John's version of the cleansing of the temple, which, unlike the synoptics, comes right at the beginning of the gospel. What do you make of it all? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, slightly different um, yeah. in in nuance. Um, interestingly enough, it's still the Passover, even though we're right at the start of the gospel. Um, and I think one of the questions of somebody critiquing this passage is what peculiar use John is making of it. Um, even the little nuances, how relevant are they? They're, they're, um, those in the temple are not um, a den of thieves and robbers, but they're turning the temple into a house of trade. Um, yeah. As you say, it's placed early. I wonder if John is using this as a signature encounter for his gospel, um, whether he has seen, it's a very strong synoptic tradition. Uh, it's there in all, all of the synoptic gospels. But I wonder if John has plucked it, uh, to put it early here, because um, he's seeing some grander themes um, in this passage, uh, this encounter. Oh, look, I completely agree with you. And I think what he's asking us to do is to not reform the temple, which you can take to be the readings that come out of Matthew, Mark and Luke. But I reckon he's saying this has got to be revolution. Um, it's not um, we need a better, fairer system, but we don't need any system at all. All of this has got to be gone. I think it's a very revolutionary use of the text. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, this is not a passage about the abuses uh, that occur in the temple. It's a passage about the whole temple system. Yeah. Um, and how we how we delve into it might depend on how brave we're willing to be. Um, on one reading, there could be a critique here of our entire market system, the whole way we go about uh, managing our economy and living together. I mean, uh, on one level, that critique is there in a critique of the economics of the uh, temple system, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's right. And it's not just the economics of the temple system, but the idea that uh, the temple has any value and meaning at all. I'm wondering whether Jesus, when he talks about his body as the temple, whether that's a complete revolution, that um, that this structure, as we've seen it and as it's functioned, uh, is no longer, not only no longer necessary, but it's now in the way of uh, the complete connection between individuals and the divine, which you could read as the... the read the prologue as of John's gospel as uh, the, the doing away of all of that and the reconnecting of human beings as the gospel begins, like the book of Genesis begins in the beginning. This is stripping it all back to that. Yeah. And one thing that struck me reading it, reading again for the umpteenth time was this is no gentle uh, driving out of the temple, is it? He, he makes, he makes a whip of cords Um and that's an instrument of torture. Um, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the cattle. You're not going to do that without creating one heck of a commotion, are you? I mean, this this is not a quiet story. It's not a gentle revolution that's going on here. Um, this is creating one heck of a melee right there in the uh, temple precinct where I imagine there was very strict codes about behaviour and uh, um, how you go about your business. Yeah, and... John has it right at the very beginning of the gospel. 
I'm wondering whether this whole text, uh, I've been playing with this idea that it's a rereading of uh, or a rewriting of the Genesis story um, that uh, that this part here and there's I've been looking at it all the way through chapter one and chapter two of um, of John as a as a link back to the Genesis stories the two main creation stories in chapter one and chapter two of Genesis and that this bit is the the story of the man and the woman covering their nakedness in the the garden that the garden is designed as the place of spiritual and physical wholeness and the temple was designed to be the same uh, but that that all of that is stripped away because the temple is now full of paraphernalia ritual and ceremony um, that seems to be a, a, an attempt to cover the nakedness of humanity in the way that the man and the woman do with the fig leaf or with the leaves um, and that the clearing out of the temple is a clearing away of the barriers, the artifice, the the projections, all the things that we do to make ourselves appear to be more human than we really are. And that what's required in John's gospel is to be arriving as the men, man and woman are supposed to arrive, unmediated, direct, in relation to God, and completely naked. Yes, very interesting. Um because another question you have to um, ask of this text or of the lectionary at least is why do we have this on the third Sunday in Lent? Yeah. Uh, so everything you're saying about a new beginning and all of that, um, that could hold true. But then comes the question of what is its meaning for us? Yeah. Um, you know, how do we interpret and live this passage um, in 2024? Um, and I like what you're saying because I'm reading a lot of commentary lately from psychologists and the like who say that our addiction to screens and to the mobile phone is because it helps us distance ourselves and avoid inner reflection uh, and moments of self-examination and quiet. Um, as one Danish professor has said, a mobile phone in your pocket always allows you to do the easy thing rather than the thing which you ought to do. Um, yeah. So I'm taking a leap here, but I wonder if Jesus might come today and say, get rid of those things in your pockets, um, pay attention and sit quietly. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if, I think that's true. And I think that that goes to that idea of the nakedness, that the idea that we uh, we are in our essence as we arrive in the world naked uh, and incredibly vulnerable, uh, that we we spend most of our lives trying not to be naked and vulnerable and the uh, social media and the phone um, allows that in, as you say, in such an easy way. Yeah, I think that's a big part yeah, of it. Yeah, just as a major, it's actually a major distraction to living. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, you could compare that with the temple and, and all of its artifice and all of its um, grandeur uh, can allow that to be, um, that can be the thing. And I think that's what, rather than reality is being the thing and, and so Jesus' violent tearing away of that, um, I think, makes it really visible in, in a, such an extraordinary way. Yeah. And, of course, John sneaks in a signs reference because uh, he likes uh, signs, doesn't he? So yes. one of his themes, one of his continuing themes is uh, a sign. So what sign will you show? Um, yeah. And that, of course, is the, brings to the... Uh, the notion of his body as being now the new temple. Yeah. Um, and again, 
uh, the disciples remember this after the resurrection. So I think we're probably dealing with a post-resurrection. Well, we're definitely dealing with a, a post-resurrection encounter yes. uh, because the gospel wasn't written until so many years later. So um, there's a lot going on here, isn't there? There is, yeah. No, I, I think so. And I think if if my reading is has any validity at all, then the reading before this, the um, turning of the water into wine, that could be the story of, of Eden. That's the way the world is supposed to be, full of abundance and uh, enough for everyone and and joy. Uh, and, and that this is dealing with it, uh, with the reality of our willingness to cover that up and to, to sort of ignore that and to move into uh, the idea that the temple is the thing rather than us being the thing, which is what you know Paul goes on about in Corinthians, doesn't he, when he talks about our bodies being a temple of the Holy Spirit, that I think he's trying to do the same thing, come back to the true reality of who we are, what it means to be a human being, um, the gift of life. And, and in fact, you could take, I'm just thinking now, you could take it to the next story, which is the story of Nicodemus, who has to be um, encouraged to reimagine himself uh, as yeah. reborn, um, which is such a shock and such a um, an offence to somebody who's so well trained and well organised uh, to uh, to imagine himself again as coming vulnerable and naked that he can't even imagine it, he can't even grasp it. Yeah. So the Lenten question of this text is. Uh, what do I need to repent of or what change do I need to make um, in my living as a result of having read Jesus' encounter and driving the authorities out of the temple? Um, yeah. where, where's the Lenten action for me in that? Um, is the That's the practical and living question, isn't it? Yeah, and, of course, the Lenten um, experience is often about giving up things. And so maybe it is that. Maybe it's not the next thing you need to do, but the thing you need to stop doing. Um, you know, what would it look like to give up some of the artifice that you have built to make your life what it is? Um, that's a pretty frightening idea. Um, it's easy to give up chocolate, um, semi-easy to give up wine, although I'm not contemplating that myself, um, but impossible to imagine, it, it seems to me, to, to the giving up of the, the self that I've built. Uh, that, yeah. That, yeah, that's really hard that to go to that nakedness. All right, well, that's the Lenten story. I think we're... We're, yes, we're a little bit over time, so we should stop. Thanks, mate.